Welcome to Thriller Bitcoin. Welcome to Thriller Bitcoin. Let's just talk about space. I could talk about space all day. <laughs> space talk. Cool. What the hell? Why are you so interested in um, SpaceX? It's the uh, it's the exploration. You know, it's the it's uh, you know a lot of people talk about sustainability, and I was a big sustainability person, um, and I care deeply about the environment and animals and everything else. But I feel like humankind is defined by our desire to explore and, you know, conquest new, new lands. And, uh, you know, I think that space represents a, um, opportunity to continue doing what we've been doing for, um, our whole history. So that's what I see in space. I see as kind of, um, hope really that, uh, we can carry on and, uh, keep doing what we've been doing without, starting to just gravel over what we have here on earth. Do you think we'll run out of resources here on earth eventually? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And it's probably, you know, a very long time in the future, but I do it, it, in, on earth, we have expanding population and finite resources. So it's just a matter of time. Um, it may be a very long time, but still, I think that ultimately we do need to be out there uh, among the stars and, I think that's just a kind of an exciting, exciting future to think about. Do you think Mars is the planet or is there another one that's more hospitable or is that? I mean, my favorite place in the solar system is Titan. Uh, the moon oh. of Saturn. Titan is really cool. Did you ever see the movie Tiny? Uh, what is it? It was like after earth. I haven't seen that now. It's pretty good. I got to check that out. 2001 also had like uh, a tie in with, with uh, Jupiter and, and its moons. Yeah, there's a lot of great moons and places out there, but there's no substitute for Earth, right? Mars is really a big asteroid. I mean, it has gravity, but it doesn't have a magnetic field. Uh, it may or may not have a liquid core, so it's got a lot of issues. Um, you get irradiated on the surface. I mean, it's a terrible place, right? It's better than the moon because at least it has its day-night cycle aligned, uh, and it's one-third Earth gravity. It's a big question as to whether or not that's enough. The atmosphere is very low. Um, there's, I believe it's potassium that it's deficient in. So it's deficient in some critical, um, key elements. That's a big problem, not to mention water. Uh, but it's a great jumping off point. And I think the moon is actually the most exciting. The moon and, and low earth orbit is actually the most exciting in terms of destinations because it's cheaper to take resources from an asteroid or the moon and deliver them back to earth 
than it is to launch from Earth in the first place. Because from a gravity well standpoint, it's much easier to fall than launch up. Interesting. So if, if we got out there on Mars, for example, by the way, do, do you think what, do you think uh, t- SpaceX will get to Mars yeah. at some point this decade? Is it going to happen this decade or is it? Ooh. <laughs> um, I don't think so. Probably not. Um, probably still another 10, 20 years out. It's, it's a pretty tough problem. I mean, they need to get to the moon, but what I do think is once it starts happening, it'll be the classic slowly and then suddenly. Uh, what Elon is building is totally different than any of the other um, rocket programs that are out there. Yeah, explain that. Explain the, the previous, like, you know, NASA had the Apollo missions and how, how are those different in the Saturn V5? I think the biggest difference, you know, there's plenty of technical difference between those rockets, but the biggest difference from a conceptual standpoint is that he's building a manufacturing line. He is not building one-off products. Mm. That's the big difference. So that when he, when Starship launches and when it starts working, it's going to scale up very quickly. And I don't think people, it's hard to think about because we're used to seeing one rocket launch as this big one-off event. It goes up and then it's gone, but I'm seeing the potential for, you know, weekly, daily even. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about each rocket is 2.5 times more, um, uh, more low earth orbit capability than the Saturn V standalone, right? Each one's very exciting, but Saturn V was like a once a year kind of rocket. This, if this is a monthly rocket, 12 Saturn Vs per year, that is crazy. Not to mention daily. Now we're talking 300 Saturn Vs launching every day. Um, each one with more capacity and reusable. Yeah. So, so help me understand if they do get this, um, what's this, what's this new spaceship called? Or right new rocket? It's called the, uh, um, well, it's, it's called the big effing rock, uh, uh, big effing booster for a while, but now it's called Starship. So, so yeah, if they get Starship, will it land back down on earth? Is that how it's supposed to play out? Yeah. Yeah. The booster will land. It's very different than normal rockets. So normally in a, uh, Saturn five, Saturn five, for example, you get three stages. So one stage gets you to low earth orbit. Another stage gets you um, trans lunar injection, and then the last stage will land you on uh, on the moon. In this case, it's two stages. One stage gets you barely to low Earth orbit, and the second stage is fused with the third stage. So that's just a second stage, which is the ship. So the ship runs out of fuel by the time it gets to low Earth orbit. So it's done. In mm. order to get it any further, then you send multiple other rockets back up to refuel it, and then it can blast off to the moon or other destinations. Oh wait, so so the whole point of this of this particular rocket is it'll get us to low low Earth orbit, then it'll come back down, get some more supplies, then it'll attach itself somehow, and then shoot off to Mars. Exactly, yeah, the booster, the booster. So there's the ship, and then the booster. The ship's on top, and the ship will get to low Earth orbit, but it'll be expended. It will have zero fuel on the ship's tank. The booster will go back, land. They'll put another ship on it. They'll blast that off. That second ship is a refueling ship. And the refueling mm-hmm. ship will refuel the crew ship. And then both the booster and the refueling ship will land. And then that'll get refueled, uh, go up again. They'll have to do that like five times. And at that point, the crew ship is ready to depart. But what's cool about all of this is it's 100% reusable. And each of these ships, especially those crew ships, 
they could stay out in space for a long time. They could be going from the moon to Mars to Saturn. And as these things keep getting built, you could very plausibly see a situation in our lifetimes where you've got hundreds of these things out in the solar system. Just like randomly going, just automated. Some of them automated, some of them with crews. Just like, hey, let's get some more supplies here. Let's, And then before you know it, it has a whole like Star Trek up there. It really sort. is. Yeah. yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. So that gets me fired up. I was very big on this for a long time. And I stepped away from space about seven years ago. Why? Well, because it was in academia. That's where a lot of the work is happening. And um, I just, it's great to dream, but you do need to make a difference in real people's lives. And space is very divorced from reality. So it's, what do you, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that statement? Is it, it's just, it's too, there's plenty of great things that space helps everyday people with, uh, farmers planning out a field of crops, determining, uh, the watering regimen, right? That's a, that's satellite imagery, uh, pipeline, um, Cell phones, Velcro? now internet. Yeah, Velcro comes from Velcro, yeah, yeah. Velcro yeah. is the one too. So lots of stuff that comes from space. Uh, for me, I felt like um, I, was, I was in academia studying space dust. So uh, spacecraft flying around the solar system, slamming into uh, space dust, and it causes a, a little crater of plasma. And you could measure it and you could do all sorts of interesting science. But it was, so, it was just such this crazy niche that had no involvement to the real world. And I felt like I needed to uh, go, do something else first and then maybe come back to space in the future. So you're about to go see the, um, the next takeoff, right? Here at Starbase? That's right, yeah. Yeah, are you excited? Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be a blast. Did they get a launch date yet or no? It'll be a blast one way or the other. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's uh, a good one. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, he said it was going to be a month ago, a year ago. So current expectation is 420 and knowing Elon Musk, I, I feel oh, he'll like try to hit gonna, that date. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'll be willing to bet on that date. That's a pretty good one. That's funny. Yeah. Man, dude, space, right? I was telling you, I was watching that first moon movie. Um, you should watch it. It's, it's, it's really, really good. It's about Neil Armstrong mm-hmm. and the, the trials and tribulations of like being the first man, the people that died before him. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Like those guys are under, intense amount of pressure um yeah they're amazing people gosh it, it it's one of those things where it just makes you have like for me when i watch those type of movies and those documentaries like of the Apollo missions and stuff i'm just like how how does a man like live up to that amount of pressure on a daily basis and like still gets it done like there's something to be said about that like those type of individuals Especially with the geopolitics involved at the time. Right. I mean, that's and really crazy. everything, dude. The social thing. It was like a big social era for a lot of different reasons. And then it was, they were trying to get to the moon, which is nearly impossible. Yeah. With no computers. Yeah. With no computers. <laughs> the guy, what, what were you saying that Neil actually did like a, a whole equation um, yeah. before, like he didn't even, he didn't pass out. Yeah. Re-entry equation. So uh, this was one of the rocket launches leading up to the moon mission. And I believe they were testing uh, orbital docking at the time. So one of the, the um, things that the Saturn V does is, I believe it's in the third stage, the lander has to separate from the translunar injection vehicle, uh, flip around 180 degrees, and then reconnect. And they do that so that the legs are pointed towards the moon. 
right? Wow. And uh, so I think it's a, a folding thing. They're just trying to make sure everything fits into a tight uh, format when they're launching it. So they needed to test docking. That was one of the critical things they needed to get right. So they had two vehicles that were in low Earth orbit, and they were trying to dock them. And there was a faulty thruster somewhere that was going off. And it was going off in a chaotic way. And it was very slowly causing their vehicle to enter chaotic rotation. These two vehicles that are docked. And they had to diagnose the problem, figure out which thruster it is. There might be dozens of thrusters. I I don't know how many there were on this one. And uh, diagnose the problem, disconnect. And all while they're doing this, it's slowly tumbling chaotically Mm -hmm. faster and faster until they're starting to experience G-forces. And those astronauts were pulling multiple G's at one point. And you told me that one of the astronauts had passed passed out. out. Yeah, his co-pilot passed out. And and Neil recalculates manually how to re-enter the Earth's atmosphere during this. So he navigates based on star tracking that he's doing under tumbling, experiencing multiple G-forces. And did you know, like uh, in the movie, he actually gets in, he, so he goes back down to earth because he makes it. And then he actually gets in, not, not in trouble, but he has to sit in a committee and explain why he uh, separated from the, 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 was, would, would you say it was the, the other vehicle? Yeah. yeah he, he had explained why he did that. And like, uh-huh. was it necessary? <laughs> and literally the guy is like taking all these G's in and it's just like, gosh, imagine, imagine saving that ship. Um, and then still making it back alive and then having to explain yourself, like, why didn't you, why, why couldn't you pull it off? It's, it's enormous amount of like pressure. Yeah. The social so, and the technical and the physical all at yeah, once. And they're all getting on them about like, Hey, well, what were you doing up there? Like, it's insane. And, and, and yeah. And, and so they, they get to a certain point towards the end of the movie where the, he starts taking questions and they're like, if you could take one, what are you bringing to the moon? Like if you could take one thing to the moon and he, and he's just like straight answer. He's like, what I, what I wish I could take more fuel. Mm, <laughs> just like yep. straight answers. Just like, I want more fuel. Yeah. Mission focused. Really mission focused. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great movie called first man. You should definitely watch it. If you get, if you get time. Yeah, I definitely will. Um, gosh. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's interesting when, uh, when you kind of, take these big projects like, uh, like SpaceX and Tesla and, you know, all, all these things that Elon and, and his team are doing it. It really, it really paints it in a light of like, we're really in this, like we're really in the future at oh, this yeah. point. I think all we're missing is just flying cars, flying cars, a good uh, financial system. certainly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And we're, uh, we're almost there. Right. Yeah. But the pieces oh, are coming together. I really right? could see this Kardashev uh, style civilization emerging Maybe, you know, that's a, uh, to some degree, it's a bit of an arbitrary classification, but that's the direction we're moving. And uh, if we have a, uh, a, a more efficient planet with internet and decentralized finance and all of this, then we'll be able to, um, and the capability to extend outside of Earth, then you really see uh, the argument for um, pretty compelling future, pretty exciting how did you, how did you get into Bitcoin? I don't think I've asked you this question. I, I guess the way I got in, I was very lucky that a friend of mine was um, very technical. He was an early miner and uh, in the kind of late 2017 uh, bull run, I was, you know, I'm a physicist. So I was trying to understand how does 
this, like, what is this thing? And everyone was giving me very superficial answers. So I was going around asking everyone, what the heck is this? And uh, people were saying, oh yeah, it's something, something computers. And we don't really understand how it works. And luckily I ran into this guy. And of course, so many people had asked him about Bitcoin. He already had a filter up and he said, okay, I can't explain it to you if you really want to know, but it's going to take one hour of your time and a whiteboard. I pulled up a chair. I said, <laughs> I'm listening, you know? And so he, he goes through um, SHA-256 and basically why Bitcoin is unhackable. And it was like, check, okay, one lesson complete. And then I carried on through the other lessons and uh, picked up a lot of the economic side um, on my own. I was a startup guy. So I had done uh, one startup before that period. And then I did one startup kind of during that period. And so I was going to a lot of accelerators and hackathon type events. And uh, so I started going to a lot of crypto uh, uh, accelerators. And I'd already learned in my first startup why it's very difficult to come up with an idea, put it on the marketplace, and then iterate as fast as you possibly can until that thing works. It's, I think it's harder than people think. It's really hard. And it's really, you know this. <laughs> it's you really know hard. this. It's hard. I, 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 yeah, like I wish I knew what I didn't know or wish I knew what I knew back then or whatever that, that saying is. It's, uh, it's extremely difficult to do a startup. Extremely difficult. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you make so many mistakes in the beginning, uh, from, from everything all the way around. And it, it's, uh, and you could, you could become scrutinized for it from your investors or from your peers or from your, um, whoever it is, mm -hmm. uh, it's an immense amount of pressure. But I, I think, I think what you just pointed out at the end right there is like, you have to make those adjustments on the fly, you know, as fast as you can while Steve, while, while keep on, um, you know, keeping flight, yeah. you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's hard, dude. It's really hard. It's what really did you hard. learn um, from those two startups? Well, the first startup I learned, don't be ideas first. And it's easier said than done if you have not yet started. Once you have the idea, then it's how quickly can I understand what the customer wants, what the value proposition has to be to deliver what the customer wants, and then how can I wrap a business model that actually is functional to deliver the value proposition to the customer. And it's much easier said than done. And so I've actually devoted my, uh, the rest of my career since then um, to that problem, the product market fit problem, which is very difficult. The second startup, I really learned that uh, understanding what the customer wants is dependent on how you define the terminology that you're using to describe what it is they want. Say that again slower, Ted. Yeah, okay. So yeah, explain, explain, yeah, explain it like I'm five right there. Because that, 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 I feel like you're going to touch on something that I, I've heard you say a couple times in here, but. Yeah, it's yeah. a big idea. So the idea is everyone tells you, you need to understand what the customer needs, but no one ever defines what a need actually is. And I did not uncover this. This is something that other people have uncovered. And I never heard that vocalized until I did my second startup. I did quite a few ethnography, you know, you sit down interview style, you gather all the needs, you run surveys, you do AB testing, you do MVPs, you launch a company, you wait to launch a company, you talk to VCs first, you talk to VCs second. So I've done all those different combinations and it's still not clear. How do you actually understand what the customer wants in a way that is scientific? And that is, that is really what I took away from my second startup. If there was, if only there was a way to make this more scientific 
And I found that in the company that I currently work for. And we, it's actually based in Austrian economics, uh, their particular methodology, but it's a very powerful methodology. The problem is that it's a bit overkill for uh, startups. It works for startups, but it's the way that my company does it, which is in a consulting capacity, is much more geared towards scale-ups and larger companies. So there is a way to kind of demystify the product market fit equation. But the ultimate goal is, however you get to it, the goal is the same, right? You need to get a value proposition that meets the customer need. And you have to define what a need is if you want to be systematic about your ability to service that need. Right. Especially this day and age, right? There's, there's so many startups that get launched. A lot of them tank really fast. Yeah, man, at its core, it's really hard. It's, it's really, really hard. hard. To, it's really hard to know uh, what, your, what your customer needs and, and what those, you know, particularly um, ideas come from, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's tough. Man. It's, it's a long process. But, and it's, it's interesting because I've been in all these different startup worlds, including the crypto world. And now at Plub Lab, I've been immersed in the Bitcoin world. Yeah, what's and the difference? Well, hopefully I, there's a difference. <laughs> I don't think there is really. Well, okay, there's obviously plenty of differences between any given uh, set of people. Um, crypto world, very interesting because they're, they have to, they're extremely ideas first. So that is, what I mean by that is they have a blockchain and they're setting out to do something or other with a blockchain. And I can reduce at least... 90, probably like one out of, or 50 companies I would meet were not doing that. The vast majority of companies that I met um, at all these various crypto accelerators had some combination of that, that concept, which is an ideas first. Hey, I have a cool technology and I want to take this cool technology and apply it to various things. Um, in the regular quote unquote, let's say, just say the other, let's say non-crypto uh, startup world. Um, there is still a lot of that. It's probably still dominant. It's probably still the, the most common, but you do see instances of, Hey, I've been immersed in uh, contracting and I see a big problem that contractors are unable to solve. And I'm going to set out to solve that. And it might be through an app. It might be through a notebook. It might be through a, uh, another contractor or it might be through a uh, super intelligence AI right? It, it doesn't matter what the solution is. What matters is that you're servicing the customer. And you do see that um, some people doing it this way. Uh, in Bitcoin, what's very interesting is that I think with uh, general startup founders and with crypto founders, their personal financial state is a little bit less stable than with a Bitcoin founder. With a Bitcoin founder, they are built their personal financial situation and their company's financial situation is kind of buoyed by the fact that they're operating, they hold some number of their assets in Bitcoin. And, and because of that, I think it changes the equation slightly, perhaps increases everyone's runway. So it's kind of like you get a multiplier effect on everyone right off the bat. You know, if a VC says, hey, I'm going to invest in this startup and they know that those dollars, while they're not being used to pay people, if some fraction of those are being held in Bitcoin, maybe they're a bit more confident that this company is not going to lose it all at SVB Bank or some other place. Um, but all that being said, uh, there is still a lot of ideas first that happens in Bitcoin companies, which is why I say it's no different. Uh, innovators and, and entrepreneurs are here 
to create, to help people accomplish the things that they want to accomplish. And uh, they're not here to push their fancy new technology out into the world. And they're definitely not here to persuade people to use their thing. And that's an important distinction because I do think that there is a lot of um, technology first mindset that says, hey, Bitcoin's successful. Bitcoin's a technology. And um, now I'm going to create a, another technology that's based on Bitcoin. And because it's based on Bitcoin, it's going to succeed. And I would argue against that. Maybe it's much better to be built on Bitcoin than be built on uh, something else. Right? It's a, another blockchain or maybe some other technology that isn't Bitcoin. But it's not a guaranteed success rate. You still have to do all the hard work to understand what the customer wants and come up with a valid business model that'll yeah, do that. It, it's, it, to me, it, it's just very low time preference uh, building a Bitcoin company. You have to have like a really low time preference. And, and it requires all the same type of um, initiatives that, that, at least for me, like from Plub Lab's standpoint, I feel like, you know, when I look at some of these crypto companies, when I used to cover the space in 2017, a lot of them would, would spend money on all sorts of things. And it was just like, wow, that's crazy. And, you know, running a, a Bitcoin company, it, it's, it's like being really cognizant of all those things and like really almost taking like a, uh, like a methodical approach to where your cash flow is going, how much can you spend here? What's that look like? How many months and, and all those type of things. It's a, uh, it could be stressful, but I think it, once you've kind of, once you kind of figure it out, it, it's, you know, if you are holding the most, um, the hardest asset known to man, then it, it should, it should reap its rewards much later. The longer, I guess the, the longer you stay around, the more, the more uh, hardened the company becomes, I would imagine, in mm -hmm. Bitcoin, as opposed to being in a technology or, I mean, yeah, I mean, every two to three years, you know, there'll, there'll be shifts in, just because you're in the technology space, there'll be shifts underneath you. Seeing that right now with Nostra, seeing that right now with like all these apps kind of taking place. And so a lot of these companies that were around in 2021, 2022 are having to, you know, rebuild basically yeah. uh, around this. So it's, um, yeah. It's, it's, it moves fast, but there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of sats to be earned. <laughs> there's quite a few sats for me. Yeah. 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 And it's, you know, it's interesting because uh, let's say that you're working on an app that is some form of um, payment. Let's say it's a payment processor, right? Uh, to some degree, you know, you, it might be, you may still be outcompeted if you're built on Bitcoin by a better app mm -hmm. or a non-Bitcoin app that enters Bitcoin, I uh, think cash app and outcompetes. And if there's a winner take all uh, situation, then, you know, they're still facing all the, the regular competitive threats. So they still need to be methodical and understand what are all the ins and outs of what the customer wants, what, uh, where your cash flow is going, all of the details. And one of the things that I, I posted this on LinkedIn a, a week or two ago, and I thought this was kind of interesting, which was, I said, what is one thing that I've seen a lot of different innovators, uh, successful innovators do that I see that I don't see uh, unsuccessful innovators doing. This is at the startup and corporate level. Mm -hmm. And it's what I said, tongue in cheek was doing their homework. And mm -hmm. it means being rigorous, right? And understanding, doing all the ins and outs. You solve enough problems, you end up on the moon. So I think that is um, the biggest takeaway for startup founders is there's a lot of, there's a lot of problems to solve. It, you know, it's important to um, just be cognizant of that challenge, right? And 
and break it down into all of its little pieces and just start hacking away one piece at a time. It may take, you know, Bitcoin's a perfect example of this because you know, plenty of people have been trying to produce this concept for a very long time. And it didn't, it was one technology wasn't enough. Two technologies wasn't enough. It had all these technologies, the right time, the right place, the right group of people, the right morals. And all of a sudden now we have Bitcoin. So it's, it can be very nonlinear. It's like you keep hacking away each of these pieces and suddenly it all comes together, but you still need all of the other things leading up to it. Um, what do you think about the startup culture or the Bitcoin startup culture here in Austin? What do you think about it? It's great. I mean, Austin is, I've been going city to city for the last six months mm -hmm. looking for great startup and Bitcoin cultures, ideally both. Mm -hmm. And I always had an inkling that Austin might be the place, but I don't know, Miami or uh, other places out there. Uh, since being in Austin, I've just been blown away. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. It's weird. It, I, I say this sometimes. I feel like I'm in the past, but at the same time, I feel like I'm in the future and the present. And what I mean by that is I feel like I'm in the past and that people will look back and say, oh yeah, this, you've, we've, we've had this conversation. I've met so-and-so here at Pleb Lab when they were just getting started, figuring out their idea, got, then saw them get their first VC funding. Mm -hmm. And in real time, I'm seeing people raising money. Yeah. The conversation it's, cool, right? it's very cool. It's, but, but it's also the future because in the future um, you kind of are talking to people and saying, Hey, this problem is currently unsolved. If I build this and bring it to the ecosystem, suddenly now people will be able to operate their nodes better, or they'll be able to transact or mm -hmm. send remittance in ways that they can't currently. Um, so it's kind of like the future, but at the same time, it's the present. And what I mean by that is it kind of feels like a Bitcoin Citadel. And I had a funny day uh, a couple of days ago where I went out to get some tacos and one of the people in the group didn't have money on him. So I was like, oh, no problem. I'll, I'll pay with, uh, I'll pay with my credit card. And then he paid me back with Bitcoin later. And then I paid someone else back with Bitcoin later. And it's very normalized. So it, it feels like, oh yeah, this is just as easy as using any other form of payment and just as easy as talking about any topic. It's just totally normalized. And that's not to be taken for granted because I've never found any other place that has replicated that environment continuously oh, over time. Yeah. I think that that's, that's the coolest thing for me. I mean, I've been at this since about 2021, you know, been around startups and a lot of my friends are, you know, co-founders or founders of these startups. And that's one of the coolest things is we all have this, this, we're all able to ask each other advice on these things. Like, Oh, how would you do this? How'd you do that? I mean, and Keon, we're talking about something earlier. Um, but it's, it's, I think that's, I think, I think it kind of reminds me of like, this is probably what San Francisco in, in 2000 was. Yeah. It's like when people go back there and be like, Oh, like the Bitcoin, the Bitcoin, uh, community in Austin, early 2020s, this is like, that was a place to be because so-and-so came out of here. So-and-so came out of here. And it's, uh, it's really cool to, to, to be around that. Um, I've, I've always, I always wondered, you know, I was, I was just graduating high school when all these like Twitters and Facebooks were, were launching. And it's just like, wow, like now I'm doing that just in like in Bitcoin, like helping out, you know? Yeah. It's really cool. Very similar. Yeah. What, a, you, you told me one time and it, and it stuck with me. I don't know if you remember, um, hopefully I don't embarrass you, but uh, you said car. I think when you first came when you first came at Flow Lab, you were like, car, you guys are just too humble here. Like mm, just Austin yeah. in general, you Bitcoiners in Austin are just too humble. What did you mean by that? And like, like, 
is that what you expected or like what did um my the last thing my grand grandfather ever told me was was stay humble and i always try to remember that um and but that is not it is you should not be humble uh if you actually have something of value because then you're doing a disservice to people you need to tell people when you have found something my grandfather um was on the nobel prize for proving climate change kind of a big deal very humble guy didn't talk about it but when you prompted him, he would talk about it and he would explain exactly why his discoveries were so significant. Ice core sampling, right? And I think the same is true for, uh, for here at Plub Lab. This is, as far as I can tell, I, I haven't been to some of the hotspots that are out there, but as far as I can tell, this is the epicenter of Bitcoin uh, entrepreneurism, right? And that's a very big statement. Uh, it has very big implications for the whole planet. This is a planetary level innovation. And for people who want to be involved with it, here's the place to be. And whether it's, uh, you know, breaking into new industry or whether it's recognizing that there's hundreds of people who have moved into Austin, very talented, ambitious people um, are moving into the city and they're moving into the city based on a decision of, do I have like-minded people? Is this a place that I can live and grow? into and you are contributing in a very meaningful way to that community and building it really you're you know you're operating as one of the critical connectors of the community and you know i, I think that's something that needs to be stated and when i said you guys are if i said too humble or or you're, you're very humble here humble is a good thing and at the same time you want to be humbly accurate about the value you're providing to the world. And if I was in the Austin uh, city council or, you know, even United States government to some degree or, or uh, Y Combinator or some of these bigger entities, I'd want to know that this is where this stuff is happening. And I want that right. message to be delivered. And sometimes in order to deliver that message, you do have to wrap it into kind of a, a embellish and you're not embellishing the facts. You're just saying the facts as they stand today. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. And I never thought of it like that. I, I, yeah, I try to be completely humble. And, uh, for me, that makes the day to day easier. It's not easy, but it makes the day to day a little bit easier. Cause I don't have to stress about like, Oh, and this, 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 it's just, um, go there, do your job today, go to sleep, go there tomorrow, do your job again. Um, that's kind of how I break it down. I just break it down. Like, Hey, one day at a time. It's the way to do it. Don't, don't get too ahead of yourself car. That's what I always say. Yeah, it's easy to get. I've seen uh, both sides of this and I've seen the side where you, it's very easy to raise a lot of money if you become divorced from reality or being humble. And I've seen this. I was part of a company that raised quite a bit and the, um, the there's a lot of dangers that are obvious, but Theranos being Ooh. kind of a public one that everyone knows about. Gosh, that's a movie. Have you seen the movie and- Oh, yeah, obviously reality, but th that movie is like, gosh. Yeah. Is it, is it just she, as bad she, as she, the well, news? she wasn't being honest to herself or being honest to others. Exactly. And that's the thing I've, that's the thing I've come to realize is like the longer you stick around doing the startup stuff, you got to be really honest with yourself and be, you need to be really, uh, truly honest to the investors. Like, oh, yeah. and let them know how hard these problems really are and what you're struggling with day to day. 
Yeah. Like, cause if you're not like you, all you're doing is uh, what you said. It's like, a, it's like a disservice. Uh, it sets the space back. I mean, it's, it's kind of what Sam Bankman fried did, right? He set the oh, space yeah. back. Perfect um, example. Yeah. But, and, and, and her, when I saw that movie and the documentary and all that stuff, it was clearly obvious. Like she needed to have a, and it, I don't know, I can't speak for her, but it, it was just really tough to watch. Really tough to watch. And I think, and I really believe that all people have the capacity to be good people. All people are good, mm-hmm. right? Whether or not they're acting out good is a big question, right? It's very hard to act out good, actually. It's incredibly difficult. You have to concentrate. It doesn't just happen naturally. It's something that we have to consciously try to do. Um, but we all have the capability to be good. You could even take someone who's uh, completely sociopathic. They have no remorse or empathy for people. I guarantee you there's many people like that. And perhaps I've met a few who are still good people, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's because you just need to know, right? You just need to know and want to try to make the world a better place. And frankly, it's the only winning, it's the only long-term winning strategy is making the world a better place, is doing what you're doing, is day-to-day improving one person's life, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're not doing that, then you may get away with it for a period of time. You may raise a lot of money, you may create a lot of hype, but the end is always going to be the same. That's always true. And if it wasn't true, then we wouldn't live in the world that we live in today. The only reason that we're able to have a podcast and communicate with other people online is because of a series of people over a very, very long period of time who tried to make, tried to help others. And if that wasn't being naturally selected for, then we wouldn't be in this type of situation. Yeah, it, it's kind of one of those things, right? The you kind of want to be like in the in the grant. I, I was listening to a podcast this morning. Um, it was a Chain Code Labs um, podcast, and it was Taj. He was on there, and he was talking about like, yeah, I, I co-wrote the Lightning Paper, <laughs> and like no one. He was saying like in the pod. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. He was like, no one believed me, so I, you know, I would have to tell him like, no, I actually helped. And then and then I think it was Merch. He said he was like, it's kind of good though. Um, that no one knows that you had an impact on something. That's kind of the true testament of what you do is like you, um, you know, personally had an impact in, in what they were creating or what they were doing or, or, you know, creating this paper, but it's kind of good that you faded to the background because now it stands on its own. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, and it's, that's, I thought that was really well put by merch. Um, it's a great podcast. You guys should listen to that one. <laughs> but yeah. but it, it, it kind of goes to what you're saying. It's like uh, the people that, that come before you, uh, you, you don't know who they are. You, you, you probably will never find out, or maybe you will, if you go a little, do a little digging, but it's, it just shows that how good this, uh, this idea was because it just, everybody just started piling on and then it became a thing. Right. It's, uh, Your job is to move the idea forward right. and deliver maximum value to people. And it may take some non-humble venture capital raising. It may take a pitch deck. It may take a good-looking prototype that offers no uh, additional functionality. Just it, it's, it, it looks good. It's easy to share. It may take those things. But the only reason you would do those things is to further the idea. The only reason you'd build a name for yourself is to further the cause that you care about. Mm-hmm. And it's all about the cause. It's all about um, the end value. And you know, as history moves forward... That's the stuff that people remember and they do remember great people and it's great people that embody, you know, a body that uh, of doing good. 
Yeah. I, I, I look back now at my time at Capital Factory. Have you had a chance to go by Capital oh, Factory? Oh, yeah. Great yeah. place. Yeah, it's a great place. I look back at my time there and I'm like, gosh, there's a lot of people there who were, who were doing the day-to-day stuff. And at the time, I didn't know just how important they were to the entire space there. Uh, looking back on it now, I'm like, wow, I wish I would have spent more time with them. Yeah. I, mean, I spent time with some of the people there, but I wish I would have spent more time with the people that were actually doing all the coordinating, doing all the, um, the engaging and, uh, and really facilitating the growth over there. Um, I could have learned a lot. Yeah. Well, they yeah. built a great community. I was there at right. the South by Southwest uh, booth night. We uh-huh. orange pilled two people. Really? Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's so easy to orange pill over there. <laughs> it's great. It's, it's uh, fish in a barrel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it was one guy at a vending machine. He was trying uh-huh. to uh, create an API for it. Like, hey, did you know you could do this without any trusted intermediary? He didn't know. Mm-hmm. He had a crypto API and it's like, oh, my exchanges keep blowing up. I can't get people to transact with my vending machine. And like, you know what you could do here. <laughs> so funny. And then another yeah. guy was Shell. And he ran uh, some sort of generation facility. We said, hey, do you know, uh, he was talking about how he had trouble throttling up and down his um, equipment to meet the demand. We said, did you know you have a, uh, a load balancing solution with Bitcoin mining? And oh, by the way, Shell is the number one sponsor for Bitcoin, Bitcoin Miami. Bitcoin Miami, yeah. Yeah. Dang, that's interesting. Man, what, what a great, man, what a great city, man. Love this town. It really is. So um, we'll, uh, let's switch gears a little bit because I want to go back to space. Oh, of course. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> what, um, uh, what are you looking forward to in uh, Poca Chica? Just, just the, is it just a rocket? Are you going to do any kind of, t- do they give tours over there? I, I don't know, but I would love to take a tour. I mean, uh, I've asked, I've met a few people who have been down there and I appreciate the advice you gave me earlier. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to, I hear you can have a bonfire on the beach down there. Cool. And so I'll hopefully do that. And also, frankly, it's, it's an excuse. It's an event. You can watch it on YouTube, but there's something to be said for a exciting event. And I'll be bringing people in hopefully from both coasts and from central U S and if it had happened this past this week, then I would have brought in people internationally too, who are in town for South by Southwest. But the point is bringing together all these people who may have not seen each other in a while. And we're all down to nerd out and, you know, crack a few beers and watch a rocket explode, you know, hundred feet in the air. Right. <laughs> it'll just awesome. be fun. You know, we'll hopefully get some boating, get some fishing. Dude, there's some really know. good, yeah. There's some really good fishing down there and the, uh, the food dude, the oh, food is yeah. so good, especially yeah. on that Island. I forget the name of that Island. Uh, South Padre. Uh, yeah. South Padre. And, uh, so is it Port Isabel? Port Isabel. That's, yeah, where, yeah. that's where I'll be staying is Port Isabel. Yeah. That's a beautiful area, dude. Yeah, Hopefully I get a boat too. I found some Airbnb is very expensive, but you know, an Airbnb with a dock. Oh, that's perfect. I, I kind of want to ball out too. I want to have a good time. And um, Gosh, you're going to have so much fun, dude. Cause they have a, uh, uh, when I was up, we stayed over there like in vacation one time and dude, the whole week you're just like running around, just like, you know, just like cruising. It's a little, small, little Island. It kind of reminds me <laughs> of a weekend at Bernie's. It's just like a small, everybody knows each other or at yeah. least that week they did. I don't know. Um, yeah, dude, you're gonna have a good time. Yeah, I can't wait. And you're welcome to join. You're welcome to come down <laughs> if you feel like. Uh, I would love to. It'll be in uh, Port Isabel, so it'll be a little outside the Gosh. city. Dude, you gotta you gotta send pictures in Slack. Oh, of course. Yeah, of I want to see that. Yeah, Sean might be down there if. Uh, oh, really? See the rocket? Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, he'll dude. park his van at somewhere. Um, gosh, man, that's gonna be awesome. Do you think? Uh, do you think we'll ever get to? 
some sort of um I don't know. Do you do you think do you think uh, SpaceX will ever will be the company that fully gets humanity? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they are the inflection. They are the Bitcoin of space. You don't think it would be the what's the other one called? Blue? Uh, definitely not Blue Origin. They yeah. are. They are. Their initial is BL, which tells you enough. What's that? Body order. Their what? Body order. <laughs> what's the name of their what? what, what? Blue Origin BL. Oh, BL. Okay, that's what. The is it? Is it call. more of like a? But are, are they are they just more of like a, a FedEx or a UPS for 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 rockets? Is, is it that direction he's going in or? Yeah. So the yeah, I think he's really trying to be the Toyota pickup, like the uh, Hilux uh, Toyota pickup. It's okay. it's not your Ferrari. So your Ferrari is the Boeing Lockheed Martin joint venture, United Launch Alliance. They are the Ferrari, and the oh. reason they're the Ferrari is because they have a perfect launch record. So if you want to spend four hundred million dollars on a rocket, uh, and they'll probably make zero profit roughly on it, totally subsidized by the government, not a lot of incentive uh, for improvement using Russian engines. They're the best engines. They're RS-25 great engines. Uh, but that's the, so that's the Ferrari. But if you're just trying to deliver payload to orbit, you don't care about a Ferrari. You want to deliver payload to orbit. And frankly, I think from a safety perspective, SpaceX is either on track or will become safer than the Ferrari anyway. So ULA is a dinosaur at this point. They just haven't died off yet. But the asteroid has definitely hit the Earth, and it's just a matter of time before they, you know, they go away. And uh, SpaceX, I think, is going to be the one that really moves the needle forward. Wait, so ULA is the, is that joint venture that you said from Lockheed Martin and Boeing? Yep, sponsored with a billion dollars in government subsidies every year. Right, um, but but SpaceX doesn't have those government subsidies, or do they? Nope. Oh, wow. So they yes. just have contracts then with the government. Yep. They have contracts, they have grants. Now grants is a, is a contract. It's a lucrative contract, mm-hmm. but they don't have a constant $1 billion check going to them from the government just to exist. Uh, ULA does have that. And Blue Origin also has that. They have a $1 billion check coming from Jeff Bezos every year. So SpaceX way scrappier, way scrap. Now they started with a humble $100 million from Elon Musk. Yeah, and didn't he buy like two rockets or something like that? Four. They got four rockets. For $100 million. For $100 million. And the fourth one worked. So <laughs> that's what they wow, say. Dude. Fourth time is the charm, right? That's that's awesome. Gosh. Yeah, Have you I, met yeah. him before? I've met Kimball Musk. I've not met Elon. This is Kimball. It's his brother. Oh, okay. Yeah, but does he's he, involved. Does he work with SpaceX, I guess? Yeah, he's worked with SpaceX, Tesla. He's on the board, I think, of both. Oh, okay. What'd you think of him? Really cool guy. Very tall. Had a big hat on. And uh, very nice and very articulate. And uh, when you got up close to him, you realized that he was super sleep deprived too. I mean, he had bags oh, wow. like crazy. I've never seen bags on anyone. And usually you think of Elon as the more sleep deprived looking person and Kimball's more, you know, you know, he just looks like he's not sleep deprived. But meeting him in person, I was like, oh yeah, this guy works like crazy. So both of those people are probably um, really on another level for sure. I, I pitched him a startup idea, actually. Did you really? Yeah, what was I, it? It was uh, some sort of community organization software. Uh-huh. And really not a very well thought out idea. <laughs> he, uh, he said, thanks. Uh, he already had like a canned response, but um, yeah, he said, uh, uh, thanks. My uh, kitchen, uh, head of kitchen is looking for a new opportunity and gave me his card. And I should have, I wish I followed up, but uh, uh, 
yeah, for such a half-baked idea, the fact that he even listened was pretty valuable. He lives in Boulder, Colorado. So he came to one of our class events. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Ted, thanks for, um, thanks for being a part of uh, the Austin community here. Thanks for having me. For like, it's been like two months. Has it been two months? It's been a while. And I'll be back. It's been three months, hasn't it? It's been a little while. Yeah. Cause I came here three months ago for a month. December, right? Yeah. Went skiing and then came back here. Then came back. Yeah. I'll be back. Yeah. I think people have enjoyed your, uh, your insight on a lot of things. I know there's a couple of people in here earlier and they're, I think they're using some of the the stuff that you've, uh, you've told them to do. So it's kind of cool seeing um, those guys take off and build a startup and then implementing some of your, um, your knowledge. Yeah, so, well, that's great to hear. You know, um, you've just been so welcoming and, you know, I've never really felt like I've been part of a Bitcoin community before oh. and y'all are just tons of fun. So yeah, we're a little um, crazy. I'll be back. Uh, <laughs> I'll be back on a weekend. We're humble, shortly. but we're kind of crazy too. Oh yeah. <laughs> Stay <laughs> humble. Especially Nick. Uh, except weekends. <laughs> except weekends. Yeah. Gosh, man. I'm, 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 I'm kind of this whole week. I've been kind of like just tapped out from the past month and a half. Uh, Sasquatch was a blast. You, you crushed it. Sasquatch was a lot of fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. But uh, it, I really felt back to normal today. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't feeling like that uh, all week. I was just still dragging. I was like, oh man. But today, I think I got like 10 or 12 hours of sleep nice. almost every single night this week, except for Monday. Tell everybody where they can find you, what uh, in, in your company, if you want to share that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn slash in slash FM Thayer, Frederick McKinley Thayer. That's my name. And uh, I'm not on Twitter, not on Noster. My company is called Stratagen. And if you're curious about the methodology that we work on, it's called Jobs to Be Done. I left a book in the Pleb Lab library. So if you're here at Pleb Lab, go to the library. You can find a book on Jobs to Be Done that explains all you need to know about product market fit. Yeah. It's all for the gain. It's all for the lovers trying to take their breath away. It's all for the gain. It's all for the lovers trying to Chase the rush again It's all for the game It's all for the lovers Trying to take the breath away It's all for the game It's all for the lovers Trying to chase the rush again But I'm never gonna give